This morning I thought I'd talk a little bit about that first yogi job of cultivating right view. And from the perspective, a kind of a perspective of very practical ways that we can think about, explore right view in our experience, directly in our experience. The kind of uh, classical definitions of right view, which include understanding the Four Noble Truths, understanding suffering, understanding the cause of suffering, understanding the possibility of the ending of suffering and the path leading to the ending of suffering. Um, The uh, teaching on karma, cause and effect, um, actions have consequences. Sometimes those teachings... um, I mean, we can we can directly explore those in the present moment and in our experience, but sometimes it takes a little bit of um, reflection to see how they apply directly to the present moment. And so, what I'd like to point to this morning are some very uh, down-to-earth ways, very directly connected to our practice, ways that we can begin to explore the perspective of right view. And uh, as I mentioned yesterday, I believe initially right view is a perspective that we have to actually bring or actively turn our minds towards. This perspective um, that the Buddha offered is understood to be unusual enough that we probably wouldn't stumble upon it ourselves unless we had somebody pointing us to it. So it can help to turn our minds towards the perspective of right view. I think all of this, a lot of this um, perspective is essentially pointing us to understanding our experience as it actually is. Without filters, without ideas, agendas, concepts, maybe not with, maybe, I I shouldn't say perhaps without ideas, um, but at least recognizing ideas as being ideas. (laughs) because it's kind of hard to not have ideas. But we can recognize that they are ideas. So bringing a perspective that is oriented towards understanding what's actually happening, things as they actually are. This phrase, things as they are, actually the Buddha used quite a bit. It's kind of hidden throughout the texts. The, the phrase in Pali is yata bhuta, and it's translated in a couple different ways. It can mean things as they are, things as they have come to be, as it actually is. And so you may find, if you're reading the text at times, you know, it, it says, one sees, comma, as it actually is, um, forms. You know, one sees, one hears, as it actually is, sound. And, um, you know, that phrase can kind of get 
dropped off or we don't actually take in the import of it. But it, it is pointing to a perspective of meeting experience directly, with, uh, not through our filters, agendas, opinions. So there is a steadiness of mind that can come as we bring in the perspective of right view. You may um, begin to explore this, experience this a little bit. If you are um, having a little bit of reactivity to a particular experience, bringing in the perspective of, you know, for instance, um, reacting to a sound outside or something. Uh, if you can bring in the experience, I mean, bring in the perspective, this is impermanent, or this is just sound. You might notice the mind can relax a little bit. So the uh, perspective of right view can help to stabilize us. It is when right view is not present that we are pulled off balance, that we are reactive. And so it's a fairly important quality to reflect on, to cultivate, to explore in our practice. So the first very practical perspective I'll offer you uh, for right view is objects are just objects. Things are happening in our experience. And any object is just as appropriate as any other object for the perspective of cultivating our mindfulness. So any object can be used to cultivate our mindful attention. It's important in that uh, cultivation of mindfulness, of course, that we explore whether our attitude is balanced, our relationship to the experience is balanced. Another aspect of this, objects are just objects, is that there's actually no better object than what is actually happening right now for on which or um, better than, no other better object that could be used for you to cultivate mindfulness. So not only can any object to be used, used to be cultivating mindfulness, the one that's most obvious right now is just about the best one for you to use. We can often have a, a belief or idea, opinion, that, for instance, certain experiences are not what we're supposed to be having when we're mindful. 
or that it is not okay or that it's not possible to practice with certain states of mind. So, for instance, sleepiness. You know, we we may have the belief or idea that I'm too sleepy to meditate or I need to clear up this foggy mind in order to meditate. I'd like to suggest that if you are thinking that thought, if you have awareness that you're thinking that thought, you probably have enough awareness to actually be mindful of that state of mind, of the sleepiness, of the fogginess. So exploring that possibility that every state of mind, that we can be aware in pretty much every state of mind. That mindfulness can begin to infiltrate any state of mind. And the the things that we um, feel like it's not so easy to be mindful in are simply, it's kind of like the edges of our practice. It's the edges of the terrain of practice. It's areas where we're less familiar with being mindful. So if you're having the sense of, I need to change this state of mind, or this is not, uh, I can't be mindful in this state, you can begin, perhaps begin to explore how might it be possible. Again, this is a little bit of a perspective of, of, of right view. It is possible to be mindful of these states of mind. It just takes some willingness and some, um, some familiarity, beginning to get familiar with these states. Many states, especially states related to sleepiness and dullness, we can tend to think not possible. Spacing out, for instance. You know, I thought inherently spacing out was impossible to be mindful of, and I was wrong. It is possible to be mindful while spacing out. Be completely, clearly aware. The mind is kind of moving into this um, space where it's disconnected from or pulled away from bodily experience in a pleasant dreamlike or resting state away from uh, what's happening in the world, possibly to be aware of that experience. So having the curiosity, the interest about exploring all objects, whatever object is happening, whatever experience is happening, Objects are just objects, and all objects are equally possible for this cultivation of mindfulness. So this perspective encourages and cultivates a kind of a non-judgmental approach to our practice. If whatever's arising is the perfect place to cultivate mindfulness, there's no need to judge it as being something wrong or bad or inappropriate It also encourages us to explore how might it be possible to be mindful in this very circumstance. Another uh, aspect of this piece of wise view, um, objects are just objects, is that objects do not have the power to disturb you. 
Objects are just objects. Disturbance comes from a relationship to the object. So that's one piece of practical right view. Objects are just objects. The second piece, objects are an effect. Objects are a result of causes and conditions. They don't appear um, magically or spontaneously. There is a series of causes and conditions that have resulted in the various objects appearing. I'll take just a couple minutes here to say what I mean by the phrase causes and conditions. Um, Conditions, I'll start with conditions. Conditions are um, circumstances that kind of provide the ground or the uh, container in which things can come to be. So, for instance, uh, conditions may be conditions from history, from um, the way that our parents treated us, from the interactions we had as kids in the schoolyard to how our teachers put us in the classroom and all kinds of, uh, you know, the conditions, the conditioning of our lives. So the way, our, our historical way that we've interacted is a set of conditions. Then there are, of course, genetic tendencies, things in our bodies, um, propensities that we have. You know, for instance, some people have a genetic inclination or tendency towards um, not being able to digest dairy products. That's a condition, a bodily condition that may impact how you feel about the yogurt that's offered for breakfast. So, the condition is there. I mean, that, that, that these, you know, these aspects of our body off, are, uh, offer conditions for our, how we meet the world. And then there are other kinds of conditions like the weather, um, kind of natural world conditions that we interact with. So the fact that it's, there's some rain today, you know, that's a condition for us. So conditions kind of set the container out of which we may be responding to experience. And then the causes, I think of causes as being the more direct um, the direct well, I, can't, I can't think of another word to use other than cause. <laughs> the direct cause that happens in the present moment. I I think of causes as being direct um, impetus or direct propulsion 
in the present moment. So very much the way our mind is responding in the present moment. So the conditioning of having lactose intolerance is one thing. And then how the mind reacts when it sees yogurt is another. It's the the mind thinking, you know, well, I can't have that, you know, and then perhaps feeling sorry for yourself or feeling judgmental about why they always put dairy products out for breakfast or whatever. I mean, so, so that is a mental reaction in the moment. So this is where our, uh, our practice can really come to bear on our reactivity, is seeing how it is in the moment that uh, objects are arising based on the causes, but also, I mean, the conditions, but also immediate immediacy of causes in the present moment. When we see the conditions, I mean, both of these, actually, both of these can help us. If we can see the conditions for our, um, how we respond to objects, we can see that objects are a result of conditions. It can help us to have a little bit more uh, ease, perhaps, around what's happening for us. Like, of course I respond this way in this circumstance. Look at the conditioning that I've had. Um, so it can, it can help to uh, have us relax a little bit to reflect on the conditions that, can com- that are coming to play. The causes, for me, reflecting on the causes is much more of an immediate um, thing. We may not be able to see the the direct causes in the present moment every time. In fact, it takes a fair degree of stability of mind, a fair degree of continuity of mindfulness to see in a moment the cause of a particular reactivity, of how we are responding to things. So again, this can be helpful to reflect on. Objects are in effect. Objects arise based on causes and conditions. Then the third perspective I'll offer is objects are not things. What's happening in our experience, I think I I brought this up yesterday in response to a question, you know, objects are processes. There's There's no there there. There's no thing there. Objects themselves are a process, continually coming into being and vanishing, coming into being and vanishing. What creates the thingness of our objects is a part of our mind that um, conceptualizes. That conceptualizing process is what creates a thing out of it. There's no actual thing there. I mean, even, you know, particle physics points to this. You know, there's, there's nothing except vibratory energy in the universe and how it's all reacting to each other. Nothing is static for a split second. There's no thing there. 
So this is also a helpful perspective to offer. Now using these perspectives, I mean initially um, in our practice right view is more of an inclining towards a perspective rather than the actual knowledge or insight into those um, understandings. So it is possible to directly understand in the moment, there's no thing here. And again, that takes a fair amount of stability of mind to actually see that in the present moment. But we can use these perspectives to help us balance our minds. As I said at the beginning, the perspective of right view can be used as almost a ballast for us, help us to be a little bit more at ease, a little bit less reactive around what's happening in the experience if we find ourselves struggling or suffering um, around what's happening. Sometimes we can bring in a perspective of right view. And actually you can do this using a reflection in your mind. It's okay to use thoughts in your mind to help bring in this perspective of right view. So for instance, you might be um, exploring experience and noticing something arise where there's a, uh, you know, noticing um, um, anger coming up. And there, there might be a way that you're kind of hooked to that anger, believing that anger. And you could, if you're, you know, uh, having some difficulty balancing your mind around that, bring in the perspective, oh, this is just an object. Anger is just anger. It's just an object. That object is as worthy as anything to cultivate mindfulness on. Perhaps I can bring that perspective. So we can, using, I, I like to think of them or find phrases for myself that work to express the wisdom that resonates with me. So, you know, objects are just objects. Um, one I use a lot in terms of the um, objects are in effect is um, now this is nature. What's happening right now is a natural phenomenon. It's a lawful unfolding of causes and conditions. And for me, that framing, this is nature, speaks to that in a very um, visceral way. And so I find that particular one helpful for me when I'm caught in something. Oh, this is nature. It just reminds me, oh, right, of course, of course, of course this is happening. First of all, it's already happening. And it has you know, the history of, of where I've been in my life has all unfolded. Causes and conditions have come together and this is what's arising. Of course. Like, ah, oh, I can rest, I can relax and just meet that. So this is nature. So I encourage you to find or uh, reflect on language. What what kind of wisdom 
resonates for you? What kind of language supports you? So I've, I've offered a few different perspectives. Objects are just objects. Objects are an effect. Objects are not things. I wouldn't particularly use those in my, you know, th- that, that wouldn't be terribly resonant for me in my moment of meditation. But this is nature. Anger is just anger. It's just a process. That kind of language can help me to reconnect in a more skillful way at times. And so initially we can bring this perspective of wise view. Now, I'm not encouraging you to think a lot about it. This is judicious use of thought in our practice to support balancing the mind. So that's probably enough for reflections this morning.